You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Today's episode is sponsored by Stringjoy Custom Guitar Strings. I had Scott on the podcast a while back, and I admit, when he contacted me to come on, I was like, eh, strings. I mean, how much are we going to really talk about strings? It's, you know, it's a string. But I was wrong. I was very wrong indeed. Uh, There's a lot that we don't think about as guitar players that go into strings. And quite frankly, the sets that we've played for years, the sets we know and love, they're not exactly optimized the way they should be. You'll notice even in standard tuning that some just don't feel right from string to string. Well, Stringjoy takes care of that. Go on their website, they have every gauge you can think of, and you can create a custom set like specifically tailored to your needs. And if you don't know exactly what you need, just do what I do. Email Scott and tell him what kind of guitar you're playing, what style of music, what tuning you're in, and he will get you the exact gauges that you need, and your guitar is going to both sound and feel way better than it has probably ever. So do yourself a favor, go ahead, check out Stringjoy, and then you'll, you'll thank me later. Hello everyone, welcome back to the ToneMob.com podcast, the show about guitar tone and the people behind it. I'm your host, Blake Wyland, and with me today I have Greg Jerrion from Solid Gold Effects. What's going on, man? How's it going, Blake? Pretty good. Glad to finally get you on the show. This yeah. is a this is a, a long time coming. Um, yeah, been uh, trying to do this for a few weeks now. <laughs> Just and it's been talked about for like what a year almost. Uh, yeah, yeah. Alex is, <laughs> he keeps bringing it up. Yes. Uh, is this a first podcast you've done? This is my very first pop- podcast. Very nice. So, how you been? Well, you just start with it. Just a how you been? What have you been up to? Anything interesting? Uh, what haven't we been up to? Uh. <laughs> Anything that you can sums it up. <laughs> you know? What um, haven't we been up to? Yeah, no, it's been uh, it's been a busy uh, busy stretch. So we got building stuff, uh, mm-hmm. building all kinds of stuff, building all kinds of new stuff, Ooh, um, new stuff, trying new stuff, playing with old like- stuff. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we've been been keeping busy. Um, so as you know, we did the obviously you know we did the pedal for you, but the model one. Uh, yes, you know, so a that was, marvelous job on that. Also, thank you. That was fantastic. You did a uh, marvelous job as well. Oh, well, thank you. Um, I did a really good job of saying, Greg, I like this. Do this to it. <laughs> hey, listen, it was a great idea. I love the artwork. I love the way everything came together. Um, and it was a fun project to work on and build. So yeah, mm-hmm. that was that was a blast. 
Um, so yeah, that's, uh, you know, been playing around a couple of different types of pedals, uh, dabbling with, you know, doing a couple of amp restorations, uh, designing an amp. Oh, yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. Can you talk about that a little bit? Or is it still kind of on the hush hush? Well, we're we're kind of entering the the final stretch uh, in terms of now getting it ready for uh, you know the the way everything is supposed to be. Uh, mm-hmm. The first round prototype was. I mean, I built a, I built a number of amps over the years. Um, you know, here and there, nothing nothing on like a commercial level, just for for right. locals. Um, so decided that I finally wanted to do something where it just blends everything that I want, um, in a package that I like, uh, mm-hmm. and keep it simple, you know, great pedal platform, but at the same time, you know, when people usually say an amp is a pedal platform, the amp lacks character and color, whereas this right. one is a colorful amp that is a fantastic pedal pa- uh, platform. Oh, awesome. Awesome. So, so yeah, it's can a small we get, one can we get combo. Any... Oh, go there. You go. You're you're going yeah. where I was uh, headed. So I'll let yeah. you go. Yeah, it, it's a small one twelve combo. Really, really simple. Uh, two channel, uh, where one is volume tone, the other one is just a straight up volume with no uh, tone stack. Mm-hmm. Um, dual six v six. It's I love it. I love it. So I'm so really happy about it. About twenty watts or so. A little less than that. I'd say about fifteen watts. Okay, sweet. Well, that's really exciting. I can't wait to see that. That's that's super awesome. Uh, yeah, that'll be it's really certainly cool. Great. I mean, the visual is fantastic. Uh, we got a couple of different colors uh, for the uh, the the cabs and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, in terms of the sound, really took my time dialing it in and just obsessing over you know speaker selection, a couple of different component values back and forth until everything dialed in. Um, at the same time, been playing it for a while, so the speaker breaks in and you know get the the full sound of it. Right. What did you end up settling on for a speaker? Uh, I love the Eminent stuff. I'm a huge fan of the Eminent stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. So we're actually going with the Eminence Texas Heat, which oh, there is you go. Uh, super overpowered for the amp, but again, great for, for a pedal platform because you don't have uh, you know spe- uh, to, uh, an abundance of speaker coloration or cone cry or you know distortion from the speaker. I tend to like that better um, across the board. I've not found in pl- in playing. I f- I find when the speaker starts distorting for myself personally, it feels kind of weird. Um, yeah, I know some guys like that sound, but to me, it just feels strange dynamically. It's the, I don't know. it's not my jam. I, I don't like it when that happens. It, it, things become just a little bit more unpredictable. I find, um, mm-hmm. and you start to lose. Some of the detail, it gets a little fuzzy. Again, this, uh, you know, it all depends on the type of speaker and the type of amp and all that stuff. But generally, I find uh, I like overpowered speakers for the amps that I'm running. So if I'm running a 20-watt amp, I want a 50-watt speaker at least in there. Uh, And again, it also depends on the type of speaker. Um, You know, uh, I found that I'm not a huge fan of greenbacks. I don't like that high-end sizzle, that Mm -hmm. abundance of presence that's there. Um, so yeah, no, it was a it, it was a fun exercise to actually sit down and you know obsess over an amp uh, and design an amp um, and just you know kind of taking a little bit from here, a little bit from there, blending the sounds that I like, the styles of amps that I like. Um, so we came out with uh, with a really nice package. Sweet. Do you did you find that approaching amp design was any different than how you would approach a pedal, or is it kind of similar for you? 
Um, it's it, it's similar because it's all about finding the right balance uh, of the sound that I'm looking for. The the and again, it's very much dialing in the feel uh, of the amp. You know, getting the right amount of compression uh, without making the amp sound overly squishy or overly stiff. Um, getting the right balance of low so it's not too boomy. Getting the right balance of high so that it's present but not piercing. Um, so you know, it, it's kind of it, it was. The closest thing would be like dialing in the zeta, you mm -hmm. know. Uh, so it's just getting all the frequencies right, and then the fun starts when you start plugging in a pedal board and seeing how it reacts with stuff. Um, or when people come by the shop and you know, guy comes in on his lunch break just to uh, to try it out on a whim, and he's there for forty five minutes late going back to work. <laughs> um, you know, so uh, no, it's been a it's been a great experience. It's been a great experience. Uh, it cool. was a lot of fun to do. And uh, so now going into the production aspect of it uh, will, be a, will be another experience. See how that sets up. See how right. it's different from, amps, uh, from uh, pedals. Are you planning on doing everything in-house like you do currently? Or, you know, most things? Um, yeah, well, uh, in, in terms of wiring up the, the chassis, circuit boards, uh, sourcing yeah. all the parts, all that stuff. Yeah, we're doing that in-house. In terms of the cab... Uh, we don't have a wood shop set up and I'm, I definitely am not, uh, my talents don't lie with wood. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I'll stay I away can from relate. that. Yeah. I don't have the patience to work with wood. Um, so apart from that, yeah, you know, apart from sourcing the, uh, the cab, uh, and getting the chassis made, uh, everything else is pretty much done in house. Really cool. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. Canadian made hand, Hammond transformers and, you know, a bunch of other fun, uh, fun stuff in there. Right. Right. Well, let's take a, a few steps back. We kind of talked about what's yeah. new. Let's talk about how you got started playing guitar and how that led into you starting Solid Gold Effects. Uh, how I started playing guitar. My dad came home one day with a small three-quarter student size area classical. Nice. Um, and that was pretty much where it started. Uh, I was 10 years old. Um, so anyways, when I was younger, my, my dad, uh, plays the bass, um, on and off, uh, my uncles play the guitar. So when I was a kid, they used to get together and jam. And, you know, I remember from then my uncle used to have a silver face Fiberlux. And Ooh. even as a kid, you know, I, I distinctly remember that amp with the shiny grill cloth and, you know, the, the witch hat knobs and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was always something that was interesting for, uh, in interesting to me. Um, you know, so 10 years old, I started playing the guitar. I still remember my first electric guitar. I got it for Christmas. It was an El Degas EDG 13 plywood, Chinese made or Japanese made, whatever it was, mm -hmm. um, with a crate GX 15 amp. Yes. Which sounded <laughs> awful. <laughs> so many of us, that's our yeah. first. Yeah. That's so good. Was it, is that the crate that's in a crate, like a literal crate? Kind of looks like it. It's like uh, a tiny little 15-watt solid-state amp with a, sh with, with, with a little speaker uh, mm -hmm. and a terrible-sounding distortion circuit. <laughs> um, but man, oh man. And, and, and I remember my first, you know, pedal unit was a DoD FX7, the multi-effects unit, where you can program all kinds of stuff. Well, yeah, uh, that way you got them all. What more exactly, do you need? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> You got so many options. Not a single one of them sounds good. But <laughs> if I can grab that setup again, just for just just for the hell of it, I I probably would buy it all again. Oh yeah, 
Nostalgia. Yeah. yeah. Of course. Yeah. How many? Yeah, like, so I don't that, know. that's <laughs> that's kind of how I got started. Um, nice. And um, yeah, you know, the band at the time that I was that that, that really drove me was Guns N' Roses. So I was a huge Slash fan. Um, and you know, in the beginning, kind of on and off, nothing too serious. And then by the time I got to high school, then I met up with some people uh, who uh, were into guitars and, you know, just feeding off of each other. Uh, mm-hmm. It grew and grew and grew. And I was, I mean, I was always, I, I'm, I'm a gearhead. So no matter what I get into, it's, it's like, whether it's cars, whether it's guitars, whatever it is, it's all about, you know, how can the gear be better? What, what can I obsess over? Um, and, you know, even when I was younger, it was the same thing, you know, pedals, you know, fuzz faces, this and that. Um, and so, you know, getting into a pedal company is just an, the natural progression of everything. Right. So what year, I mean, you started tinkering on pedals, like on a DIY level, I'm assuming, and then just kind yeah. of go, spinning out from there. Well, I basically started because I wanted a fuzz face or I, I bought the Dunlop fuzz face and it didn't sound really good. Uh, and, um, you know, I wanted an original fuzz face. It was about a thousand bucks at the time. Uh, mm-hmm. and that's really where it started from. Uh, and I've always wanted to build stuff. I always loved the idea of building stuff. Um, so, you know, the, the, the first one was a fuzz face. And then obviously the second one was a range master, you know, the natural progression of how you get into building pedals. Um, and that's, that's kind of where it started. Uh, and then mods, you know, I, I went into a music store and I bought, uh, you know, there was this vintage Gen Y that was sitting there. So I brought it home and then quickly learned about true bypass, all that stuff. So start doing that on all the pedals mm-hmm. and then got a vintage big muff again, true bypass, fix up all the wiring, change the jacks, make, uh, make, make the pedal reliable. Um, and then the whole mod scene that was, you know, 2004, 2005, 2006, uh started doing mods on all kinds of boss pedals dod pedals uh to the point where you know uh i was studying finance in university working at a body shop fixing cars and then at home i had pedals coming and going for mods and quickly was making more money on pedals than i was working at the body shop and didn't really like the idea of working as a teller in the bank or you know going into finance and i'd constantly be thinking about guitars um, so at some point just made the plunge and decided, you know, solid gold effects was going to be full time and, uh, just do it. And so you, you, you started yeah, as far as income source, it was mostly mods at the time. Yeah. I when mean, you, when you I, started. Yeah. Uh, it was mods and then it progressed into, you know, uh, some pedal builds and then more into pedal builds. Again, it, it kind of shifted with the market, um, because at some point everybody wanted to mod stuff. It wasn't necessarily, you know, and that boutique pedals were uh, two or three times the prices that they are today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was some 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 pretty heavy, expensive stuff um, that people were were buying before. You know, uh, markets kind of went wacky. Um. um oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No. Um. What was the first official solid gold pedal that wasn't a mod that was one of your own? Uh, designs um, it was it was a germanium booster um it was a germanium booster to cop the uh the black sabbath type of thing into a marshall uh um, gotcha you know uh so yeah it was called the boost <laughs> it was oh a very creative name 
Yes, that did a lot of probably a lot of time in market research trying to figure that yeah. one out, right? It was the boost. It was I still have it. Blue powder coat enclosure. My sister did the lettering on it because my handwriting is terrible. She did it with a silver sharpie. Nice. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we've come a long way since then. I used to cook the uh, circuit boards in the kitchen. Oh wow! Did the etching yeah. and stuff? Yeah, did the etching, drilling. Yeah. Nice. And so you started with the booster and then kind of like where, I mean, that seems like a logical choice, but you know, when do you say there was, I'm trying to think of when I first started hearing about you and it was probably around 2009, but obviously, or 10, somewhere in there, but obviously you've been around for longer than that. Yeah. We started in 2006 and again, 2006 was really uh, lower key, just you know, getting stuff rolling, learning the processes and how to set things up and all that stuff. I mean, there's been a, there's been a good learning curve. Uh, Mm -hmm. And at the same time, you know, my whole thing was build it steady, build it slowly uh, and just, you know, do what you, you, whatever is in uh, your reach. Don't try to, 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 to go too far out and, you know, it just gets discouraging or screw something up royally that you can't recover from. Right. Um, so, um, yeah, the whole thing was the 2006 to 2008 was kind of like the first phase. And then 2008, when things started, you know, the, the markets crashed and all that stuff. Um, took that time to, to kind of start developing things in a more professional manner, uh, mm-hmm. so to speak. Uh, so kind of looked over the, the, the product line changed uh to the uh, a style of uh, a visual that's closer to what we have today uh with the silk screen stuff and like proper graphics and all that stuff um and then um when did we switch to all the colorful cases that was what i was wondering i was like there there's definitely a turning point between yeah. the the sharpie and what you're doing now well the, the switching from the sharpie was was around 2008 2009 uh, 2008 i would say mm-hmm. um and like the sharpie didn't last very long after that we went to uh to uh to some silk screen stuff and again the artwork was uh uh not on par with anything that we're doing today uh, right and then my sister started designing the artwork for me uh, at which point the pedals were visually appealing. All the cases were black and we had different colored uh, artwork on it. So we had like the, the Formula 69, which was uh, a Santex black enclosure with, uh, what was it, a blue silkscreen print on it. Uh, Superdrive was a black enclosure with an orange print on it. Um, so yeah, I think that one was around 2008, 2009. And then again in 2011, I think 2011 or 2012, no, must be after that. You know, sometime around there, let's say circa 2012, mm-hmm. uh, we started getting into the the more colorful cases. Um, and over the last two years, we've really upped the ante with uh, the different uh, offerings in terms of custom colors, uh, different tunings, and um, just really upped the ante with the uh, the fit and finish uh, of all the enclosures. Yeah, they look they look really really nice. Uh, I've I've had the pleasure of playing through almost everything in the current line. Uh, and that's one thing that's very consistent is that they're consistently extremely pretty <laughs> inside yeah, well, and out. You know, that, that, uh, that's it because I, I obsess over the details maybe a little too much. 
Um, mm. So there's whenever we get a, a shipment of cases in, there's a whole bunch of them that uh, you know we'll either set aside as B stock or simply send back to be stripped and refinished. Um, right. You know, so it's where uh, quality is is extremely important. Quality is extremely important because I want to make sure that what you know, if it has our name on it, it, it kind of lives up to a certain standard. Um, the gold and, standard, maybe. Sure, we can call it that. <laughs> <laughs> maybe something a little less cliche. <laughs> well, yeah, okay, <laughs> just go on solid gold. Okay, well, all right. Yeah. I'm sorry, bad joke. Yeah. It's all right. It's all right. It's good. The gold standard. So yeah, we want to make sure that it lives up to the gold standard. Mm-hmm. Um, just you know, I want to make sure whatever leaves the shop is something that we can all be proud of. Um, right. That's the most important thing. And uh, so when you're kind of going through and you, you talked about, you know, building slow and, and kind of doing things that you basically, uh, you know, not reaching too far. Um, but at the same time, then you have things like the Apollo two. Oh yeah. That, <laughs> that, that, that's way after that's, that's way after that's, uh, yeah. Yeah. That, I mean that, that pedals, uh, well, I always cite it as the pedal that made me realize that I actually do like phasers. Cause I didn't think I did. Um, and Alex oh, was like, Oh, cool. You gotta, you gotta try this. I'm like, I don't like phasers. He's like, just play this pedal. I'm like, okay. And I took it home and I played it for a long time. I really, really like that thing. Um, so in kind of where I was going with that is, what does the process look like for you guys? Like, how do you go from, you know, parts and breadboarding to final product and or like conceptualizing everything like just how does that what's that process uh, cons- look like i mean conceptualizing can can take a a, a number of different um can, can come from a num- number of different directions uh it can either be a part that we find that's cool that sounds cool that inspires a certain circuit um could be an idea that we had that can sound cool it could be like an existing product that we're just building on and developing or, you know, like, how can we push it further and do the, the version two? Uh, or it can be something completely different for personal, um, you know, personal reasons, for, for personal desire. Just because um, you want to build it. Just because you want to build it, exactly. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, had an idea, talk, call up Alex. Uh, Alex is, you know, marketing director, uh, for anybody who doesn't, who's listening. Um, and we'll just shoot an idea back and forth. Um until it builds and then we see where we can schedule it and start working on it and, and start building on it. Um, or it could also be something like a, you know, a customer request. Somebody sends an email with a great idea. Mm-hmm. You know, what was one and, that was uh, spawned out of that? Um, something I know, I'm working on, on now, so I kind of don't really want to, uh, uh, I'm still working oh. out the details, so I can't really get into it. You don't um, let the cat out of the bag. Yeah. yeah. I know that feeling. Yeah. See. But uh, short bat, the, the short bat toggles were a great idea, and that was from an email. Hey, how cool would it be if you had short bats? Done. Let's order them. <laughs> there you go. Boom. Done. Yeah. Well, that's kind of interesting that you talked about uh, brainstorming with Alex, because that's essentially how the pedal you did for me came to, came to be was I was brainstorming with Alex. So maybe Absolutely. that's a, that uh, it's, seems it's to be just a, sending ideas back and forth. I mean, it just works itself out. Yeah. Cause we were originally talking about like when he first, you know, spun the idea to me, I started thinking about like something crazy. Uh, 
and and then I started thinking to myself, well, no, I'm kind of known as a fuzz lover, which is very, very true. It should probably be a fuzz. And it was like, oh, okay, well, I, I know where to go with this. You know, <laughs> you know, this it just makes sense because, um, I you know, as you know, I had the V1 Agent 13 and yep. was just simply like, here, Alex, I really like this pedal, but here's what I would do differently. And uh, we started kind of batting it back and forth and so i imagine doing that process over and over again you'd would lead some pretty cool results you know absolutely 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 so yeah we definitely you know come up with ideas and we'll 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 talk about something for you know an hour two hours and then come back to it the next day and start talking about it again and come up with other ideas and how we can do things differently uh he'll spit something out i'll start to visualize how we can set it up and you know um Solid process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's really uh, it's really interesting. Um, so when you set out to do things like, well, like the Imperial, for example, which is your take on the classic muff circuit, your everything you do is if you do if it's if it's based on something else, it always has an extra something to it. Uh, has that always been that way, or is that just a development? You know, trying to stand out from. A sea of clones, um, basically. Well, the idea is, I, I love vintage stuff. I love vintage gear. I collect vintage gear. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I love big muffs for what they are, uh, but they have a lot of shortcomings. So why why make a pedal that will just be a clone uh, in a sea of other pedals that are doing the exact same thing? You know, so if somebody's looking for a Ramset big muff or a Civil War big muff, that's cool. Uh, there's a bunch of people making them. They're making great pedals. Um, you know, when we got into to, to the Imperial, for instance, it was, you know, it's do we really want to jump on that bandwagon? Well, not really, but at the same time, there's a pedal. That, see, that that's a pedal that was built for personal, you know, uh, out of personal desire. Mm-hmm. Um, so what would I do differently? Cut down the, uh, the noise factor. How would it work with a JFET input? What could we do to make the tone stack a little bit more usable? Cut down the noise floor. Um, and how would BC-183 sound in there? Great. And they bump up the mids. So the package kind of came together, sounded good, uh, reduced the noise floor. So it kind of hit on a, a number of criteria that we have. Uh, and then it just comes down to uh, putting the, uh, you know, uh, the colors on the case, figuring out the knobs, the layout, all that stuff, um, and getting it out. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the BC-183 uh, specifically, not to get too nerdy on the general guitar player right now, but we, we've got to nerd out a little bit. That seems to come up in a lot of your fuzz designs. Um, what is it, and it's what's in mine, for instance, what... Yeah is it about that chip because it's not as commonly used i would not as far as i know it's not as commonly used as some others it's uh it's a discrete transistor uh silicon Mm -hmm. uh i like the gain range on it it's not low gain it's not high gain um i like the the mid-range characteristic that it presents um and it, it it seems to work well uh in the circuits that it goes in um mm-hmm. and again you know we won't use it just for the sake of using it but um you can definitely hear the difference between the bc-108 and the bc-183 and our f6 was nine since we built both of them mm-hmm. um and it just you know in certain circuits it just gives it that extra little bit of oomph that might be missing so 
you know, like in the Imperial, uh, it just gives it that extra little bit of mid-range character uh, in a pedal that's otherwise known to be scooped uh, or right. flat in the mids. Uh, and same thing, I mean, just comparing, let's say, the Model 1 that we did with the Asian 13 that you have. You know, mm -hmm. you can, it, it's a similar style of circuit since that's kind of where we started. Um, and you can hear... Uh, I mean, there's other mods in the, uh, there's other changes that we made on the Model 1 uh, that beefs it up, uh, but part of that is the BC-183. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, one, um, there was somebody on the gear page that was commenting about it. They're like, this uh, seems similar to the Agent 13, you know, in a good way. And uh, I, I don't know if it was you or Alex that was kind of commenting and they're like, oh yeah, and this is the changes we made and blah, blah, blah. And I just kind of, since I only have a base level knowledge of things, um, I just had to kind of poke my face in there and be like, well, the thing is, is like, I never ever considered the agent 13 to be a, a thin sounding pedal, uh, yeah. by any stretch of the imagination. But when you compare them side by side, all of a sudden it, it seems that way. Um, yeah. which is super interesting. Uh, and, uh, it just, uh, yeah, it was exactly what I was hoping for. <laughs> so yeah. I guess a, that's where I'm going like with fun that. Pedal. <clears throat> Um, let's see here. Uh, I kind of want to talk about the, the Zeta a little bit because um, that's one of my go-tos also. And how do you, without maybe giving away too many secrets, how do you get it a pedal to feel correctly like that? That just has, um, you know, it may sound similar to other, you know, circuits like that, but it feels different. Like what, what kind of steps do you have to take to make something kind of sag and compress that way? Or is it just, you, you just tweak the circuit until you like what you're feeling? Well, a lot of it has to do with, uh, you know, the, the, the FET preamp that's set up in there. Um, mm -hmm. you know, and again, just like the, the BC 183, we use FETs, uh, in a lot of places. Um, and yeah, it's, it's basically the interaction between, uh, the FET, the IC stage, and uh, the clipping stage. Um, and just getting it, you know, getting everything dialed in correctly so that not, you know, we're not running too much gain out of the preamp, we're not running too much gain in the IC stage, uh, and we're not clipping too heavily with the diodes. Mm -hmm. um, so again, it just comes back to, 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 to balancing things out and balancing out the, um, the um, uh, different stages. Gotcha. And, and and the frequencies, so yeah. not to make anything too bass heavy, but not to neuter the lows. Um, just make something that sounds right. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, another another kind of mm, I don't want to say feature, or it should just be like a running theme with your pedals. Are there are some of the quietest that I have? Um, uh, is, again, is there obsession. like <laughs> that's some... personal obsession? That noise drives me nuts uh rattles drive me nuts uh hissing drives me nuts it's uh, it's really annoying it seriously it's uh yeah like i'll be playing something and i'll just stop because something's rattling and i have I have to chase it <laughs> chase um, chase the rat like in a, in a speaker cab or or something yeah, or even or in the room something on in the room you know something's on a shelf that's rattling what is it i gotta find it it's <laughs> uh it, it's really annoying I see that. Okay, that characteristic so translates into the noise. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, when it comes to noise, uh, um, if ever we're using a component that can be noisy, 
that component is auditioned uh, prior to actually going into a pedal. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we do that with uh, our reverb modules. We do that with our delay chips. Uh, sometimes we do that with transistors, um, especially if we're using any type of germanium. Uh, I mean, that thing is tested like 15 times over before we actually build it. Oh, wow. So, it, like, you're literally just plugging in it. Nope, that one's no good. Plug another one in. Well, nope, what, that one's uh, no good. You know, the, the germanium stuff is fun. Uh, recently, I found a, a nice stash of germanium uh, transistors that uh, I'm starting to test and play with. Uh, mm -hmm. I, but, you know, some of the ones that I've had in the past, you know, you'll try it one day, it sounds great. Try it the next day, it doesn't. Uh, right. So, just trying to, uh, to sort through it, you know, measure the gain, measure the leakage. Uh, and see what's once that's done you know that's the first sort and then plug it into a pedal before soldering anything hear it bias it hear it again um, and then kind of sort them out again from there uh, which is why we don't do much with germanium in terms of a standard product uh, but definitely for custom stuff uh, um, this batch that I found I'm having a lot of fun with it nice is there is there a way I've heard this said before and I don't know if it's actually true or if it's mumbo jumbo uh internet talk but i've heard of guys because germanium is kind of known to be finicky especially with like temperature changes and things yeah. is there a way I, I seen a claim from a manufacturer one time that said they temperature protected their germanium and i don't know how that would work not really is that is that nonsense really. or is that something not really. Not okay really. yeah you can't i mean it'll it, it, it's you can actually see it as you're you know if you're holding the transistor and you have it plugged into a tester you can see the numbers change with you your, know, body from your body heat yep okay that's it sounded you know I, I have a pretty you know semi-decent uh uh lie detector i think when it comes to like marketing stuff like that and i was like how do you temperature protect? It's going to change. I mean, you got an ice cube in there? Like, <laughs> like no, I mean, what you, is you that? can definitely do some circuitry that will kind of compensate for uh, for shifts. Okay. That's uh, probably yeah, no what they mean. What, like, it's the nature of the transistor. Gotcha. Okay. Thanks for the information. Yeah. I was curious about that. And then, yeah. there again, I don't know anything. So, <clears throat> interesting. So here, let's uh, let's go here. Do you have a like a favorite pedal to build in your line or in general? Is there a, is there a personal Greg favorite to build? Like in terms of actually like soldering and manufacturing, or because I love the pedal and I just want to build it? How about both? Uh, I guess your favorite to manufacture would probably be whatever whichever one goes together the fastest. <laughs> Um, yes and no, there are some where it's just, you know, you assemble and it's so pretty inside. Uh, I mean, the Apollo definitely is pretty, but it's not a favorite to build. Oh, it's um, beautiful inside. I love oh the inside God. of the Apollo. That, yeah, that takes, that takes some time. Um, I don't know, I guess this is sorry on both accounts. Uh, mm -hmm. it's fun to build and it's fun to play once it's built. This story is awesome. <laughs> yeah, that is, it's uh, when it's time to test a batch of those, that's, that's, that's heaven. That's a good day. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it, yeah. It, it's like, uh, it's so brassy. Like, like I could see, you know, back in the day, I, I know you know this, but um, some people might not. Some of the fuzz pedals from back in the day were made to ironically imitate horns. Yeah. Um, which is kind of a crazy thing to think about. Um, and I never really understood that uh, until playing 
the Sasori and some a few others like it. I was like, oh, okay, I I can get where <laughs> where their thought was that this might sort of sound like yeah. a horn. Because um, for a long time, I thought that was the silliest thing I'd ever heard. Uh, a fuzz pedal sounding like a trumpet? What are you talking about? Yeah. But I get it now. <clears throat> Yeah, that's a uh, that's a fun pedal, and um, yeah, I mean, I, I think brassy is the only way to to describe that. It's brassy and nasty. Yeah, it, that's yeah. It's like the world's dirtiest trumpet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. So, what kind of uh, what kind of music do you normally play? You mentioned Guns and Roses before. Do you, do you play in bands currently, or or what's uh, what's your uh, musical life I these days? I do not play in bands currently, um, simply because my time is is kind of devoted to solid gold FX. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing I don't want to be is that guy, you know, in the band who never shows up. <laughs> right. Um, so no, at this point, I'm more uh, I'm more a gearhead collector obsessor, um, and pretty much play whenever I can. Mm-hmm. Um, which is fun. Yeah. Um, and in terms of the music that I like and the music I listen to, I mean, it's it, it's it's a pretty wide range. Um, you know, anything from jazz to classic rock, rock, heavy metal, uh, blues, uh, reggae. Um, so I mean, I guess my the like I said, the band that got me really into 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 playing the guitar was Guns N' Roses. Uh, and then as I developed in high school, it was it came to down to Hendrix, um, you know, Eric Clapton, Cream era, mm-hmm. uh, Black Sabbath is is a huge favorite of mine. Um, and now as I'm as as I'm you know diving more into jazz and stuff like that, I'm absolutely in love with uh, Wes Montgomery. Oh, yes. Good call. I can just listen to that for hours. Is that that seems like it would be good uh good pedal assembling music, West yes. Montgomery. Yes, I think. it is. And we do have, you know, we have some vinyl at work, uh, which we put on for those mellower pedal assembly days. <laughs> um for the crazier ones we got Megadeth. So it's it's a nice, you know, range. <laughs> What separates the crazy from the mellow? Is it just the amount of work you got to get done? Uh, just the mood that morning. Uh, you know, whether we want to kind of have a mellower work environment or whether or not we want to put, you know, kill them all or something on the record player. Mm-hmm. How many, uh, you, you say we, I know you and Alex, but uh, how many employees do you have currently? Uh, it's Alex works remotely, so he's in your neck of the woods. Uh, yep. and in Montreal, I have, uh, Tyler who is, uh, is my lead assembler at this point. Uh, mm-hmm. and I have uh, my bookkeeper. Very nice. Yeah. That's important. It seems like, yes. uh, anybody who's like a creative type, it's like really nice to have a dedicated bookkeeper. <laughs> you know what? Even if I wanted to do the books, I, I mean, there's so much I can do in a day. Um, mm-hmm. and it's nice to have somebody who makes me have to organize stuff right <laughs> otherwise i mean there's like a stack of papers on my desk and you give them a point on one side and then on the other side you got all the components whatever i'm prototyping piled up uh it's good managed chaos yes i i hear you on that <clears throat> um let's see there was another question i had i was gonna ask you if you were playing in a band what your current rig looked like but i guess that question doesn't really count unless you do have a semi-solid 
setup right now? Um, yeah, I mean, the solid setup would be a pedal board loaded with uh, our pedals, our mm -hmm. amp. I mean, it's it's kind of a loaded question. So. <laughs> <laughs> you don't play other people's pedals? Come on. <laughs> no, so I mean, um, like right now, I'm looking down at my pedal board. So we got a uh, that old Genoa from way back when, Red Faisal from the 70s. Nice. Uh, TC Electronic Polytune going into a mm -hmm. Funk Light, a Zeta, a Beta, Sasori, Rosie, Imperial, the Buffer, <laughs> the Apollo, the Electroman, the Surfrider, the Sutterlight. So that's the current <laughs> setup. It is. It's it's all it's all you all the time. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> you know. So you have a preference. You have a you have a thing. It sounds like. Uh, um, it's my brand. Are there any other builders that you that you kind of look at as inspirations or? Just you kind of, you dig what they have going on or you kind of head down? I mean, there's a lot of people uh, in this industry that are doing some some pretty amazing stuff, uh, which we have a lot of respect for, which I have a lot of respect for. Um, you know, guys uh, here at Empress, uh, Dr. Scientist, oh, yeah. Diamond, they, they've been doing it for the longest time. I mean, I remember at some point somebody way back when, when I was first getting started, gave me a, a diamond pedal and just the, the fit and finish of the pedal just blew me away. Mm -hmm. you know um so yeah, definitely i mean we have uh, our peers that are that are doing some some pretty incredible stuff um some of the chase bliss stuff is just nuts oh man it's it's like <laughs> this was made by humans <laughs> yeah it's, it's not just the you know the programming and controller aspect but getting all of that to fit in a tiny little case incredible yeah, and then not having you know other issues, <laughs> it yeah. actually works as yeah. as it's supposed to. It's just like Joel, yeah, this is this is crazy. Yeah. Uh, and then if you ever meet that guy, uh, he's one of the nicest human beings too. So uh, I highly recommend hitting him up if you ever get a chance. Absolutely, he's, he's a good dude. Um, the Empress Reverb. Uh, since you brought that company up, there they just seem to be crushing it with that thing i just watched a a knobs demo with it there's like and i played it briefly at nam but at nam it's like yeah you, you can't, can't hear anything at nam yeah you can't tell i was like this yeah. looks cool uh but i can't hear anything yeah <laughs> so um but yeah the the they just seem to be crushing it with that reverb yeah it's got a Plus beer, it has setting, beer mode exactly <laughs> do you have any um any plans to like brand that seems to be like the way the industry's going is into these like crazy like way in-depth pedals do you have any plans to like explore that neck of the woods i mean it seems like the I, apollo is a tippy toe into that stuff. I, I think that's as far as i'm willing to go um mm -hmm. because it's for me i i like things where it can do cool stuff um but i like everything laid out in front i like it easy easy to dial in uh, at some point, once it gets too many knobs, it just becomes a little daunting. Uh, mm. Not necessarily daunting, but you can get lost in it. Uh, you can usually get lost in it. Uh, right. So it's kind of, again, finding that balance of, uh, you know, uh, modern and vintage, let's say. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, no, I, I don't think we'll be going into like stuff with submodes and hidden features and added presets and stuff like that. I don't think that's right. our gem. Right. So, you do have some stuff in the pipeline, though. Uh, is there anything coming out soon 
keeping in mind this episode's not going to drop for another few weeks, uh, that you can talk about like more in depth? Um, we got a, the, some mini boosters that we're doing. So it was a project that uh, I, we just cooked up on a whim, mm-hmm. um, which came together really nicely. Um, and the whole idea was to do small, uh, you know, the little uh, case size, like our buffer uh, mm-hmm. boosters, one knob boosters, where basically build it like one of our full size pedals, except smaller, and use it to highlight our favorite components. So they're literally labeled BC 108 or BC 183 or JFET. And the whole idea is to highlight the different transistors that we like working with. Um, so, you know, we have the BC-183, which has that low mid grunt. We have the BC-108, which is a little bit tighter. Uh, the JFET, which is cleaner and more, um, you know, for lack of a better term, hi-fi. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we have a BC-549, which is a high-gain, low-noise transistor that I like working with. And uh, we decided to make that a dirty booster. So it's um, um, a fun little set. Uh, and the cool thing oh, is you can position them in different positions. Uh, you can put them in different positions on your board depending on where you want to add color or where you want to add volume or sustain. Uh, or you can string them together and have a wicked overdrive. That, that was my next question. Are these going to be like as a bundle pack uh, for exp- experimenting or are they individual? Because that would be pretty cool to have like a all of them. You've got to catch them all well, type that, of situation. That's exactly it. I mean, you can mix and match whatever you want depending on what flavor you want. Um and you can kind of just use it as a building block. And, and depending on what order you put them in, you know, put the BC549, uh, the, the dirty booster in front of another booster or, you know, vice versa. Uh, mm-hmm. Get different uh, interactions, different colors. Or in the effects loop of the Electro Man. Or, yeah, yes, I'm already yes. getting weird ideas. That would actually be fun. The 549 in the, uh, in the Electro Man. Get some dirty mm-hmm. delays going on. Oh, yeah. There's, I... I can't tell you. Uh, the Electro Man was, I th- I think that might have been like, like the second pedal I got from you. Uh, that thing is just a mainstay. I just love that delay so much, and I don't think it gets enough love. So everyone listening right now can go check out the Electro Man. It's been doing things that that other people are claiming are new for a long time. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Thank I love you. that thing. Um, yeah, it's been uh, we've had that uh, for a while, and it's it's been kind of like one of our staples. Uh, oddly enough, that's probably the pedal that really put us on the map uh, way back when, when uh, when PGS did their uh, their demo of it. Um, mm-hmm. Back when it was like the green enclosure, I think. Uh, no, earlier than that, black enclosure oh. with a green print. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, the the Electro Man's awesome. I I've kind of constantly find new sounds with it by using the effects loop people have heard me kind of go on and on about uh delay pedals with effects loops and uh that's the one that started started the craze for me so i'm I'm finding all kinds of interesting sounds to stick on delay trails and so thank you for thinking of that that's a great feature you're welcome uh <laughs> stick an octaver in there with a fuzz yep, yep. yeah oh yeah <laughs> yes uh I've actually put the uh, Formula 76 in there, too. That gets nuts. Yeah. Um, and a whammy. Yeah, I mean, sometimes. noise floor, at that point, you know, there are no guarantees on the noise floor, but <laughs> yeah, you can have some fun with it. Oh, yeah. For sure. For sure. So, you mentioned that you collect vintage gear. 
Are there any like crown jewels in the collection right now? Um, crown jewels, uh, yeah. Um, I would have my my jazz master. Uh, I have a '63 jazz master. Oh man. Um. Mm. So for the Fender stuff, crown jewels would be the '63 jazz master. I have a '72 Telly that I love. Um, I have a 1970 Mustang bass uh, with the competition stripes. Really fun bass to play. Um, And way back in the day, I had picked up a 72 Jazz uh, in a pawn shop. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's just, I I love that bass. Um, On the Gibson side of things, um, I have a, a 65 ES335. Oh, very cool. Uh, yeah, it's a great, uh, great guitar. And uh, what's nice about the 65, it's kind of a transition year. Uh, so it has a slightly narrower nut, but it's got a nice full neck. Um, so it's, it, it's a lot of fun to play. It's not like the, uh, the later 60s stuff where uh, it kind of has the pencil thin necks and it's, it's a little bit hard to, uh, to dig in sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's, that's the 335. The pickups in that guitar sound absolutely phenomenal. Uh, really, really good condition as well. With just the right amount of uh, checking. Um, what color? Sunburst. Wow, man. Yeah, yeah. For some reason, I I, I have a lot of Sunburst guitars. Um, can't find the cool colors. <laughs> <laughs> I like Sunburst too. I, I, I love sunburst. sunburst. Just at some point, you know, you want something that's blue. Um, I yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm just looking at my guitars right now. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine sunburst guitars. <laughs> you know, so. Um, yeah, so 65, 335. The, recent, the most recent one that I picked up is a 62, uh, 61 or 62 uh, ES330, um, which is absolutely phenomenal. I'm in love with that guitar. P90s, um, right? Yeah, P90s, full hollow, uh, thin line. Um, It's a great playing guitar. Uh, And the the neck profile on that, it's got that early 60s slim taper on it, uh, which just feels amazing. Uh, Guitar's been broken in nicely. Uh, Had to clean about, you know, 40, 50 years of nicotine out of the guitar. Um, (laughs) It still smells a little bit, but uh, it plays and sounds amazing. and I have a 55 uh, Gibson ES-175. Oh, um, very cool. Yeah, which, again, picked up, um, I mean, with the original lifting case and everything, I couldn't refuse it. Um, so that's, that's kind of the, uh, the stuff that I'm, you know, the, the higher-end stuff that I have. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of amps, I have a, uh, I have a 68 Plexi, uh, 50 watt Plexi, with, on, sitting on top of an A10 cab. Um, I have a 69 metal face JMP 50, uh, Marshall. I got a couple of old Ampegs, um, a super reverb, super reverb. I love, um, a 1970 super reverb. So that's, that's kind of the arsenal. You're doing pretty good. I think. Yeah. Oh, and a guild. <laughs> I have a guild. I bought a guild last year. A guild. Uh, uh what kind of guild? Uh, 66 T 100 D. Wow. Uh, yeah, original really owner with the uh, with a case uh, has the original uh, warranty paper and the original guild stamped uh, cloth to wipe the guitar down. Wow, that's cherry. You don't you don't get much better than that. Yeah, too bad it's not a Starfire, but it's fun. 
That's yeah. <laughs> it'll 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 do. I think. <laughs> yeah. I, think it'll be okay. <laughs> I don't think anyone's feeling too sorry for you at this no. point. No. No. <laughs> no. That uh, that jazz master you you mentioned. I played. I only played it for about not yours, but uh, I only I played a '62, a blonde '62 jazz master. Uh, I believe that's the year um, when I was in Nashville at Grun Guitars, and that is one of the best guitars I've ever played in my life. So if your '63 is anything like that, I can I can imagine. Um, it's I mean, it's a great guitar. Um, yeah. It's a great guitar. I mean, I love the way uh, I love the way the guitar looks. I love the way the guitar plays. I love the sound of the Jazzmaster. I love the vibrato, the the, the trem that's on the uh, on the Jazzmaster. Um, mm-hmm. Really, really versatile, universal, uh, versatile, uh, and universally usable guitars in in, in many different types of music. Uh, from many different types of sound, and I mean, I Jaguars, Jazzmasters, I love that read, uh, lead rhythm switch, um, mm-hmm. especially you know when you get uh, going into something that's fuzzy or driven. Put in the rhythm, get that ultra, that extra woolly tone going. Um, yeah, great guitars, absolutely great guitars. Very very cool. Is that one burst also? Uh, yeah, that's a burst. So, uh, yeah, all the offsets are, are burst. So the jazz bass is a burst. The Jaguar is a burst. The Jazzmaster is a burst. Uh, they're burst. The Tellys. It seems the, to be a little bit divisive. Would you consider yourself more of a fan of the Jaguar or the Jazzmaster? Uh, definitely Jazzmaster. Definitely Jazzmaster. The the Jaguar. Uh, it's cool. I don't know. I'm still on the fence as to whether or not. You know that the, the the short scale is for me or not, but definitely a cool guitar. There are some days where I play it and I absolutely love it, and there are some days where it's just I don't know, not fun. <laughs> Rather play the Jazzmaster. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I don't know. Lately, I've been on a big uh, hollow body bender, so it's uh, it's the Gibsons getting the workout. Well, you you playing the West Montgomery tunes? Uh, no, I'm not there yet. No. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably the inspiration, though, right? There that's, you that's go. What I, I, was I guess so. I guess so. No, yeah. it's. Uh, I don't know. There's just something about the way you can control the feedback uh, you know, with overdrive and stuff like that. It's. It's fun. I, I, I do that, find that. I do find them to be really fun. I don't have uh, any fully hollows in the or I only have one semi hollow or two semi hollows. I guess. I kind of forget that the Rick's semi-hollow, though, sometimes. Uh, which um, one do you have? The 330? I, I got the, the 360. The 360, um, nice. Yeah. There was a local store closing, and uh, they were blowing out their Rickenbackers. It was, oh, wow. It was crazy. It was crazy cheap. Like, I, I wasn't planning on buying it, but it was like, I'm never going... I can't even get them used that price. Yeah. So, snatch. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you pick it up and you figure it out later, you know, if you don't like it. Uh, yeah, it. exactly. It was like, it'll be fine. Don't worry yeah. about it. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I mean, I haven't talked about this in a while, but I did on, on some of the early episodes. I actually use the Rickenbacker what, uh, more for, like, heavy music than I do for, you know, more what you would think of when you think of Rickenbacker. Um, it's, I don't know if I, if I feel like that's kind of weird, but I'll play like drop tune, like stoner metal type riffs with that. And that's what that guitar always makes me want to do. I don't know why. Just seems, uh, seems right. <laughs> if it <laughs> works and it sounds right, why not? I mean, I've, I, I run fuzz with the 175. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's 
Your uh, well, I saw pictures of your Les Paul Jr. Pretty... What's that? I saw pictures of your Les Paul Jr. Oh yeah, that's my that's my number one. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. I've talked about that ad nauseum too, but yeah, yeah the Jr. is a. Uh, was a. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you know. That was my grandpa's. So yeah, you told had... me about that. Yeah, oh, that's right. That's right. What was that? A fifty-five, fifty-six. Fifty-five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The P nineties from that from those years they sound so good. There's something about them. I they it's sound like, so good. Did they sound that good new, or has something to do with the magnet kind of degrading over time? I don't know. I don't know. It's it's so uh, that's that's the vintage magic. Mm-hmm. We may never know. Yeah. Or is it just the mojo? It could just be the mojo. It makes me think it sounds good. Yeah. Um, does um. Your older P90s, do they? I have never measured this thing, but it seems pretty hot, like hotter than a lot of the newer ones I've played. Um, does that seem to be what you've seen, or, is it, or do I have a weird one? You know, I've never actually compared it. Um, yeah, I should compare it to the 330 and see what's the, the only problem. The, the only thing is that the guitars are so different. Uh, one being a, a, a full hollow versus the thin line versus your solid body. Um, and I, a lot of it also has to do as to how close the, the strings are to the pickup, especially with the P90s. Um, well, that's true. Because, I mean, I remember yeah. I had a 1979 or 1980. It was this Les Paul special double cut that was a custom order for a guitar store in Montreal back in the day. Uh, mm -hmm. a store called La Tosca uh, cool guitar you know bound top flame maple uh, a bound flame maple top with a cherry burst on it um, wow it was a horrendous guitar it was a horrendous guitar but the bridge <laughs> P90 sounded incredible the neck was mud hmm. and the finish on it wasn't stable so you know you play the guitar your hand would be red uh, <laughs> oh geez! Wow. It was terrible. It was a horrendous guitar, brass nut, like totally eighties, seventies. <laughs> I don't think I've ever had that happen on a guitar. Oh yeah, the finish. The, sometimes the nitro will just get soft. They'll just say no. I'm gone. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm fleeing this guitar. Uh, it's too ugly or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, okay, we're getting pretty close to the end. And I do need to ask you the uh, the classic tone mob question, which you may know is coming. I don't know, but uh, Greg, what kind of pizza do you like? What kind of pizza do I like? Uh, yeah. It's important that we know this. Like, what kind of pizza? Like toppings or pizza in general? Like, how deep are we going like, with yeah, this? Yeah, get get real specific. Yeah, the whole thing. Oof. All right, there's a few pizzas that have really stood out. Um, over my years uh, eating pizza. Mm -hmm. um, like when somebody says pizza, the first thing that hits me would be Grimaldi's in New York. Um, okay. Spectacular, spectacular pizza. The dough bubbles up. A little bit of cheese here, a little bit of cheese there. But really the dough just bubbles up. You get those, those air pockets in the dough. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I can go for some now. Uh, so like yeah, Grimaldi's, the New, you know, New York brick oven pizza, that is definitely up there. Um, pizza in Italy, uh, obviously. Uh, yeah, when I went to Italy, that was uh, I mean, obviously good pizza. Um, mm -hmm. 
But in terms of just like a, a regular takeout, uh, toppings would be pepperoni, mushroom, um, and you know, if if I want to get special, throw in a little bit of bacon and some olives. Um, oh, there you go. Yeah. You got a crust preference? You like a thin? You like a thick pan, or what? What do you? Uh, not go? pan. Uh, not thick. Nothing like for for reg- like we're talking not like brick oven or Italian style pizza. Yeah, just like a mm-hmm. a, a medium kind of dough. Uh, you want to have enough dough where you can taste the dough. If it's too thin, the balance is off with the toppings. If it's too thick, you just have this oily, crusty dough. Um, you're like kind of eating like a cheese bread as as opposed to pizza. <laughs> uh, no. So, yeah, I, th- I think that's that's kind of, and sesame seed on the crust. If they offer that option, uh, is delicious. Yeah, that is delicious. I don't see that as often as I would think. You know? Yeah, it there's seems. not a, few, a lot of places that do that here, but there, there's a few, and it's it's good. Right on. That's good. Well, that's the most important question that I had, so we can just we'll just edit it down to that section, and we'll call it an episode. Well, um, what you can do is like two different versions: the you know uh, abbreviated one, where it just gets to that question, and then um, you know my long drawn responses throughout the rest. <laughs> right on, man. Well let's uh do the final thing of the show uh where can everybody find solid gold on the internet website social media etc where, where is that at we are at www.solidgoldfx.com uh we're on facebook instagram youtube uh, twitter occasionally and All now solid gold them. effects there you go oh, there you go <laughs> Well, thank you very much, Greg. I appreciate you taking the time to come on, and uh, I'm glad we were finally able to get this thing in the can. Absolutely. It was a blast, Blake. All right, everybody. For Greg, this is Blake, and as always, good luck and good tones. Thank you very much for tuning in this week. You know, there are a lot of other podcasts or other sorts of entertainment that you could be indulging in right now, but the fact that you're listening to this one Well, that means a lot. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. And if you can't get enough gear and other kinds of talk and conversation, don't forget about the Facebook group. If you search The Tone Mob on Facebook, you will see the group. And go ahead and join. I'll get you approved and get you in there. And you can start talking with all the people who are much more intelligent than myself, which is uh, pretty much everybody who's in there. So... Search on Facebook, The Tone Mob, join the group, come hang out, we'd love to have you in there, and until next week, have a good one. One last thing before we totally sign off here, I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings, made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company. And I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things. And by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style. Again, the link for that is tonemob.com stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much.
Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstory as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.